Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons. And the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country, where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, and nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you. Not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, you swallowed up your pro- property with prostitutes. For him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Excuse me for a moment. It's always difficult coming across such a well-known text as we have in the gospel today. One of the most, if not the most, beloved parables in all the scriptures, the prodigal son. A story we've heard so many times that we already know how it ends before it even begins. And so it becomes very easy to just tune it out. 
So I ask that we take a moment today to clear our minds from distraction and even pride and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us. Perhaps what I say today will be presented in a way you haven't heard it before. Or perhaps today will be something you're familiar with and will will speak true to what you already know. But either way, we believe that the Word of God is living and breathing. And so we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and minds to deepen our understanding of God's love for His children and what He says to us today. So let us pray. Holy Spirit, enter in so that we may grow in wisdom and understanding. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, bear with me today. The prodigal son is actually a story about two sons. And it's easy to pick on the first son, the one we usually do, because his rebellion is quite obvious. But we have to understand the rebellion of the second son, in order to understand our own need for repentance. The younger son's sin is very public, and it's somewhat repulsive. I mean, who dares tell their father, I wish you were dead so I can have my inheritance, so why don't you just sell it all now and give it to me? And then, when he burns it all in in sinful living, he has the gall to come back to ask for a seat at the table. Even though it's as a slave, he's still asking for a seat at the table. He has great resentment for his father. But the second son is no less resentful of his father. He says to his father, Look, these many years I served you, and I never disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. By his own admission, he understands he's been slaving. He is a slave of his own making in his father's household. Now, the younger son is a a rebel. We know that kind of person, right? The kind that would push the envelope and live according to their own will that defines their own idea of right and their own idea of wrong. They explore and experiment and try to fully indulge their senses with the pleasures of this world. They enjoy the work of the Father. But they want to enjoy the work of the Father, the pleasures of this world, all he's created without his interference, without his oversight, without his hand in the mix. They want to receive his gifts on their terms. Then you have the older son, who's obedient. He falls in line, but he does so in order to gain an advantage. He lives according to the law, and he lives according to the rules, and within the confines of the authority he's underneath, perhaps even one day, so that his obedience is recognized and rewarded. And maybe even perhaps one day to be able to set the rules himself. And it's the younger son who's telling authority to go beat it. Get out of here. It's the older son who hopes one day to become the authority. And even the two of them don't see eye to eye. They don't understand each other. They get angry with each other. The young son looks at the older son and sees nothing more than some some bigot who's out of touch with reality. And If he just became more progressive and more enlightened and more with it, then the world would be a better place. We need more people like that. And it's all those old people who are are stuck in the old ways of doing things that, that are the problem with this world. And if we just all became a little bit more modern, then we'd all be better off. While the older son looks to the younger and says, look at that self-serving charlatan. 
If he just submitted to authority, if he just obeyed the rules, if he just fell in line, then the world would be a lot better off. All those millennials, right? They don't see eye to eye. They blame each other. So which is right? Which is right? The son who hopes to come back as a slave or or the one who's become a slave himself by his own doing? And at the end of the day, aren't they both just seeking their own good? They don't love the Father for the sake of the Father. They love the Father for what they're able to extract from the Father. So I'd venture to say that Jesus becomes for us like a third son. One who is obedient to the will of the Father. Not for his own self-serving gain, but for the sake of the Father. A son who is obedient because he desires the Father's will. He finds joy in obedience to the Father, yet still enjoys the work of the Father, the pleasures of this world in the right way. And he's so full of compassion that he goes out and finds the younger brother and brings him home and rejoices with him. Calls the younger brother to a life of repentance and calls out the elder son for his, his pride. He calls him out to repentance too. A brother who wouldn't allow the other two to remain lost, but draws them close to the Father in order that they may all celebrate together this great feast. This parable comes out of the grumbling of the Pharisees and the the scribes. And we actually have three parables. We have the parable of the lost sheep, hundred sheep, hundred sheep, one of them gets lost, the shepherd goes find him. The parable of the lost coin, ten coins, one gets lost and they find it. There's great rejoicing. And then he goes into this parable. Now, when I was a kid, I remember one time I walked in the garage and I found a $50 bill on the floor of the garage. And I thought to myself, I could buy the whole world with that one bill. So I I, I made a plan. I was going to turn it into my dad and I was going to hope that he recognized my honesty and my obedience and my selfless heart. And in doing so, would let me keep it. So I did that. I gave it to him. And he didn't let me keep it. He took it. He gave me verbal thanks. And then he said to me, I know you think this is a lot of money. But one day you'll realize it's just money. I was so angry. I was so upset with him. I thought he was a fool and didn't know what he was talking about. I was the elder son, was I not? I wasn't happy that my dad had found the money he had lost. I was upset that I didn't get it, that I didn't get part of it, that he wasn't doing anything for me. And there are countless times in my life I've been the younger son wanting to write my own rules. I guess that's kind of the curse of being the middle child. You do them both, right? Not... Aren't we all kind of stuck in that life of sometimes rebellious and other times trying to be obedient for our own gain? Yet yet the Pharisees and the scribes are trying to get at a deeper issue. And it's an issue that, that arose between the Jews and the Gentiles. In fact, some would say that the two brothers in this story are like the Jews and the Gentiles. The younger is like the Gentiles who have left the family of faith time and time again. Like Cain left, uh, like Cain left Adam and Eve, and later Ham, the son of Noah, leaves the rest of the family. 
The generations of men are filled with divisions of people, and eventually we see this separation, Jews and the Gentiles, those outside the faith. The Gentiles are those who left the, the worship of the one true God and go off to a faraway land in order to worship their own gods and serve their own pleasure. While the Jews inflate the law into countless other rules and regulations in order to be perfect, obedient, and lawful sons. And though God delivered them from slavery in Egypt, it seems like they have imposed on themselves through their laws a new slavery. While the Gentiles have become enslaved to their own passions. So the Jews are frustrated with slaving and the Gentiles are, are simply hoping one day to become slaves because they're so lost. And to both of these people, God offers sonship. How? Through repentance. Jesus calls them to repentance. And the Pharisees and the scribes are scandalized by this. That Jesus would offer himself to sinners. That Jesus would eat with sinners, with Gentiles, with younger brothers. How dare he? How dare he spend time and eat at the same table as those heathens who rejected the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers? And, in, and, and Jesus is telling them that we're all born from Adam. We're all of the same people. Rejoice, your brother who was lost is now found. There's a new covenant for the Jews and the Gentiles. A new covenant that I bring. Paul writes in Galatians, For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, Jesus have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to the promise. You get to receive the inheritance. Just as Ezra was welcomed into the waters of baptism today. This is our story. This is our reality. We have been the younger son, rejecting authority at every turn. Telling God that I want it my way. Wanting to enjoy all he's made, but on our terms, and without his interference. And we've been the elder son. God, I, I faithfully worshipped you. I pray to you regularly. I give my tithe. I read the scriptures. I don't ask for much, God, but can't you just once do something for me? Why do you care for everybody else, but not for me? Give me what is due to me. And so we're either trying to ignore God or we're trying to impress God, and neither of those is the answer. The answer is repentance. Baptism is that call to repentance for the forgiveness of sins through which we are adopted into God's family, not as some second-class child, but, but fully sharing as a true son and a true daughter of God's kingdom, and then sharing in the gifts of his kingdom. And even the gift of confession and absolution, even as we confess our sins today, is a continuation of that baptismal grace we've received. That the Father has been so gracious and merciful to us, his children. Rembrandt painted this picture of the prodigal son. It strikes me, I'm just, when I see it, I'm overwhelmed by the compassion and mercy that this picture displays. And one of the things that's most overwhelming to me is the hands of the father. Hands not raised to strike his disobedient son, but lowered to bless him. Hands not pointing with accusation, 
but resting upon him with the full weight of forgiveness. Hands that don't weigh heavy with the weight of slavery, but takes that weight and offers instead freedom and sonship. And so this, this image is so humbling and, and so, so simple, yet so profound and worth of rejoicing over. Because it's the image of all of us broken by sin, wearing our tattered, our tattered rags and our sandals falling off our feet. And he says, go get the finest robe and go get the, the family signet ring and go get new sandals for him. For my son who is dead is now alive, who is lost is now found. And this message of mercy is so scandalous to, to so many throughout the ages, not just the Pharisees and the scribes. Paul describes it as a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Because the message of repentance is a stumbling block to those, the elder son, who says to himself, well, I have no need for repentance. I've done it all fine. And it's folly to the younger son who, who justifies all of his sins and just enjoys the pleasure of the, of the world. You only live once, so enjoy it all, experience it all, because it goes quickly. And to both of us, he says, repent. And he offers his mercy to Jews and Gentiles, to all of us today gather. Not in order that the law is, a, is abandoned, as, as Paul says in Romans, but so that we would actually uphold the law. No longer trying to do the law or uphold the law in order to manipulate God to our purposes, but because it's good and right, so to do. That the Holy Spirit would move our hearts to desire what God wills, what God desires. Because God desires our good. God desires our life in Him. For we ourselves often don't know what we need or what we want. And so today we hear a call of repentance. Repent and be received into the arms of mercy. No longer a slave, but free. No longer a slave, but his son, his daughter. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.